Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Today we're talking all about DIY camper van trailer builds for traveling around and hunting. Uh, I'm sitting here in the studio with Jacob Myers. Jacob, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. I'm excited for this conversation. So they kind of introduce everybody that's on here. We've got Keith Hall from Mississippi. We've got Zach o- Owsley. Owsley? Yeah, Owsley. Owsley. Dang hey, it, Zach. You almost had it. you got to be confident in yourself, Zach Owsley. Son. Gosh, Zach Owsley, <laughs> buddy from Tennessee. Listen, I'm not great with last names. Just give me a first name. Okay? He said it correctly eight times before we started, then we get on here. It's in my head. It gets in my head. It's bad. <laughs> also, we got uh, William Rouser on the podcast, or Rozier. See, look, I'm messing everybody's Rozier. last name. Rozier. Rozier. William Rozier <laughs> from Georgia. Right. And then Paul Putera. I can at least say Paul's name because I've had him on. We've had him on the podcast so much, I text him so much anyway. So, but Paul uh, Putera from New Jersey. Which all you guys are different builders. Uh, you've all done custom builds uh, with different platforms, and with the whole mindset of staying mobile while hunting. I know all you guys travel a good bit for uh, hunting, both deer and turkeys, um, and it's going to be an interesting conversation, especially maybe to inspire some listeners to not only look at some of y'all's builds when we post this episode of course we'll have some uh photos of all y'all's builds on uh, facebook and instagram for people to look at but also maybe get inspired about doing their own build and really this kind of all came about from a post from 2020 with keith hall you made a post and i forgot what page it was on and i asked you to share it to the run gun page of a uh, little trailer built you built with you and your son uh, that was just awesome. Slept, it looked like it slept two people, compact, easy to pull behind a truck or an SUV. And, and that kind of got it all, you know, I guess, spiraling out of control for me. Because then I met William and saw William's huge build where he built this custom toy hauler, take the four-wheel with him, the whole nine yard, take the boat with him, and, and stay extremely mobile. And then, of course, Zach, with your uh, van built, you built a couple of years ago and, and still kind of fine-tuning as well, which was really interesting. And then Paul is currently making another build right now uh, with a kind of enclosed trailer setup. So we've yeah, four different builders, four different styles of builds, which is going to be interesting to kind of talk about. Uh, but to kind of kick us off, Keith, I want to get you on first and ask you, what was the inspiration for your first build that you made? And now your second build that you just kind of finished up that you're using for this spring? Well, we started out, um, I did a lot of tent camping when I'd go out of state. And um wasn't so bad. Got a little cold. But uh, my son got drawn for a muzzleloader hunt at uh, Lamb Between Lakes, Kentucky. So we took the tent. And needless to say, that wasn't a pleasurable event. But <laughs> a young, young man trying to sleep in a tent. So we got the idea to build something that was a little more uh, weather preventive. And uh, he was kicking around some ideas. He sat in here at my desk and drew some stuff up. I was going to cheat and honestly just buy an enclosed trailer and start from there. But uh, he's a little Mr. Do-It-All, so he drew up some plans, and we got to building, and it was during the COVID shutdown, so we got to spend a lot of time together doing it, and uh, we really enjoyed building it. It served its purpose for a couple of years, um, and in both uh, several public areas here in Mississippi. We've been back to Kentucky a couple of times. It served its purpose, but uh, he's getting a little older now, minds into other things, football, women and such. So um, I still want to continue the 
purpose of it, that camper was a little bit big for what I needed. So I built a new one. And this one, the first one was a five by eight. It would fit a uh, queen size bed. Um, the second one I built is a four by seven. I still have a galley kitchen on the back, but this one's more of an individual sleeper. I can put a twin size uh, trifold mattress in it, still have a little bit of room for my totes, for my clothes and stuff. Um, I'm working now on getting a I've delayed on buying an awning because I couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted. But now I've seen these awnings with awning rooms, which actually give me room to stand up in an enclosed room to be able to get dressed. That's the downside to the little campers. They're four to five foot tall. You're not really going to stand up in them. So, but they're nice and compact. Take them anywhere. Uh, the first one was around 1,600 pounds. This one dry is 873 pounds. I just loaded it down fairly well this morning i'm going to turkey hunt for a couple days so i got loaded up and i pulled it from my shop out to my jeep it's probably not another 300 pounds into some probably 1100 something pounds but uh keeps you out of the elements they're cozy they're easy to build well for me i think everybody on all the builds you're going to see everybody falls back to what they're familiar with um i was a contractor for a lot of years before i become a fireman so i know wood wood was comfortable for me i've picked up welding along the way so i welded my own racks and stuff like that this one actually i did a lot of welding to the frame and stuff so starting to pick that hobby up too and definitely keith when everybody sees like the photos of all everybody's builds you are like the most compact build of everybody out there which i think leads or lends itself to being a lot more nimble depending on like where you're going and also just an easier towing experience um the only one on here that doesn't have to worry about towing is zach and, and that's kind of where i want to go next when it comes to the builds so zach your build is completely different from everybody else's because you said to do a trailer like Dude, i'm gonna do a whole van setup and, and make this rut rig Talk about your inspiration of your build and why you decided to go with a van versus something that you'd like tow behind an SUV or a pickup truck. Well, I, originally I was planning on hunting Illinois and I'd been over there some with Greg Staggs. We'd looked at some places that, you know, he had hunted because I'm about two hours from there. But when you start looking at Illinois, like when you start driving through Shawnee, man, there are winding roads, small and narrow. There's not really a campground. And then I started thinking about, you know, I didn't want to be tied down to a single location. Like I didn't want to have to park a trailer somewhere or haul something. And honestly, it come up on my YouTube algorithms, uh, van life. And like, I started getting into these videos and I was thinking, man, if these people can live out of those vans, I could definitely hunt out of one. A little more challenging than I thought it would be. But yeah, that was the whole thing. Like I wanted to be able to drive two hours in Illinois and hunt. But like, if I was in an area and it wasn't working out that I could, or say it's raining because I cannot stand hunting in the rain. I want to be able to pick up and move two, three, four hours north and get away from that. And that's really how it started. And that actually paid off. That exact same thing paid off this year. I had a trip planned to Southern Ohio. I know everybody's heard about the EHD there. Well, it was kind of like an isolated pockets. In the area we were in, we were towed it like the EHD was not there. But after two days of scouting, and I mean five miles in, five miles out, walking, you know, round trip, we're talking uh, between three of us. We found three dead deer, and then, like, during hunts, we were smelling stuff. We were like, okay, there's for sure something going on. So we picked up and moved two hours north and, like, walked into two bucks fighting immediately. So that was kind of – this year was kind of that aha moment that, 
I was glad I had the van. Like I didn't need a camper or campsite. You know, I could just start the engine and go sleep on the side of the road. So I, I could pick up and move at a moment's notice. That was kind of my thing. To give uh, listeners a little bit more kind of background with the van, uh, and I'm, we're, we're going to do this with everybody too, kind of talking about, you know, a little more details about the builds and the inspiration with the builds. But with your van, the, f- the fascinating thing you told me, and we can kind of talk about this because at some point I want to talk about budgets with everybody, um, is it, it you don't have just an absolute ton of money tied up in, in, in this van. Um, where, like, you know, you'll see on YouTube, you know, guys, you know, people have vans they're living out of and they're spending $60,000, $80,000 on a build. Um, you seem to find like a really good deal. And if I remember correctly, it's a two wheel drive van, correct? Uh, that's right. I mean, I mean, like, so everybody asks, is it four wheel drive? okay, so I'm limited on a few spots, but I mean, how many spots have you ever gone to that you couldn't find at least some gravel or asphalt to park on? So yeah, it, it's a two-wheel drive van. Okay, I'm not going to go off-roading it. I may have to park an extra quarter mile from where I maybe would have drove down a dirt road, but it's not that big deal. Well, and see, with your van build, so this isn't something interesting when you're talking about like a van build versus like one of the trailers is everything is housed in one spot, of course. Like you're driving with it. Everything's there. Easy access. You can go from the bed to the driver's seat without having going outside. Um, you know, you have that kind of comfort, um, which, again, it's interesting. And it kind of goes back to like the camping I've done is all with truck camping for the most part, sleeping literally in my driver's seat, drop the seat down, sleep in the Toyota. Uh, and then if I need to wake up and move, I just literally start the engine and then start rolling. Um, so I can kind of relate with you on, on the van style stuff, but it is interesting when you're talking about some of these trailer builds that everybody else is doing and kind of how they've kind of developed that, which kind of gets me over. I want to talk to William real quick and, and talk about your build. Cause you have the biggest build of everybody here as in like the size of your rig, uh, and also what you can bring with you, especially when you're doing these long destination hunts. So William, talk a little bit about your build, what inspired you and, and really what the base of your build actually was and kind of how you developed it. Yeah, I grew up hunting turkeys all over. Uh, we went to South Florida when I was real young with my dad, uh, And we were constantly on the road turkey hunting somewhere during the spring. And it was always one of those you sleep in the truck kind of thing or even in the back of the truck. And uh, now we we, we do the same thing. We go deer hunt all up in, you know, north, northeast. And uh, we still go turkey hunting all over the place. And we got to where uh, my wife goes with me all the time. So we need something a little little larger that, you know, we have some room and it's not so, you know, confined uh, to where you, you know, you don't want to be crawling in and out of this thing with just your wife, your kids, you know, your buddies, all that's okay. But I mean, you kind of want some, you know, room to relax and stretch out. So, um, but I, I, when we started to, to do this, uh, we, we needed something that we could go and set up and be 100% off grid, or we could hook up to power. Uh, I have something that I could haul my boat on the roof of the trailer uh, I have my uh, outboard that goes in a spot on the back of the trailer. Um, I can take uh, my my buggy or a four-wheeler uh, under the, the, the rack on the back, um, and we are totally self-sustained. Um, when we're, I mean, you know, we leave, I, I, we're actually in Florida now. I used to live in South Georgia, but we just moved back to Florida. Um, and you know, we, we go to Illinois, uh, or Indiana, that's, you know, 15, 16 hours. So, uh, we stop at these rest areas on the sides of the roads on, on the interstate, uh, you know, eight or nine, 10 hours into the drive after we get off of work. So, uh, we just pull over right there in the rest area, sleep in the camper and get up next morning and go again. 
and that's that's pretty much the same way we do when we're hunting. Um, we can we can go to a, uh, get a campsite that's got power, or we can go you know fully off grid. I got a um, a thirty five hundred watt generator that powers my whole camper. Um, I mean it's it's literally just like a camper. I got um, I got coffee pots and refrigerators and uh, air conditioner heaters. Uh, I mean water tanks. I got a we, we built a shower on the back of it. I mean this this is a uh, a, a compact one of those big campers you see uh and it's i mean it's pretty much set up for just hunting but i mean this thing never it, it will never stay the same because when you go and you think of something else better and you do something else better you change something here or there i mean we hunted with the same bed system that we had in it for three two or three years uh it was aluminum double bunk beds and she slept on the top and i slept on the bottom and and uh, it just got to where I mean they were only cot size, and I'm a I'm a bigger dude, so I need something a little better. So I ripped all of that out one day and just started on this uh, this where we could turn it into a couch and then pull out into a queen size bed. And uh, I mean it, it it's it's a lot better now. We can actually stretch out. You know you ain't on a little cot, and uh, you can put it up and you have a couch there oversized and you know when it's raining and you don't want to hunt you know you're you can be inside and we got a tv um you know i'm not crawling in and out of this little hole because you know something like paul's and them is, is what i was thinking about when we first started we were just thinking about towing and weight and size and all that and i was thinking about getting one of those little teardrops or or building one of those little teardrop type you know just something to crawl in go to sleep but you know the more we thought about it the more we was you know and you can go and, you know, you, you don't have to beat yourself to death and you can have somewhere to go relax, lay down, take a hot shower, eat, watch TV. I got the whole nine yards, you know, right there in, in one setup. So, Yeah, you get the setup. If, if we're going tailgating, uh, I'm voting. I'm going with William. So, uh, no, but William, your, your setup, want, talk to us real quick to give listeners a better idea. Talk about the size of your camper because this is something I want to bring with everybody else. Kind of like what's like the size. Of course, you know, Zach, you've got a van, um, like a Sprinter van, um, and then well, not really a Sprinter van. I guess what, what what's the actual model van that you have, Zach? It's just a forty Econo line or forty one fifty. Okay, yeah. and then William, with yours, what's the total length of that trailer uh, setup? And then also, what's the enclosed enclosed portion of it? Because again, you use it kind of like a toy hauler as well, taking like a side by side or four wheeler with you, and also kind of make that the toy haul section almost like a big patio area as well. So, talk a little bit about the overall length and size of your of your setup. Because again, it is on the the much larger side of everybody else, which. Again, if if you're if everybody's thinking it's probably it's not gonna be the most nimble setup out there, but if you're talking about staying somewhere comfortably for a long period of time, you know that does lead uh, uh, or lend itself to you know being very comfortable. It seems like. So from tongue to tail is 24 foot. It's got a four foot tongue section on it, so it's actually a 20 foot camper. Uh, it's got a 12 foot uh, uh, open area in the back. This is the toy hauler or the hangout or where we cook or whatever you know. And the inside is eight, it's eight by eight pretty much. Um, and it's uh, about seven and a half foot tall. Um, and it's all boxed in, closed in. Uh, the back is all expanded metal bottom. And I put um, the concrete board on the bottom of it and then rhino lined it. Uh, the sides are all expanded metal from where it was uh, like a, a very big lawn trailer, 20, 20 foot lawn trailer. Um, but then I put the extension over the top of it, kind of like a roof. Um, so I could get shade. We didn't have to get, you know, worry about getting wet when we were back there. We could set up 
all of our our camping stuff uh all of our food prep everything back there we didn't worry about getting wet and i could have a place to put rollers and stuff on top of it and take my boat with me so um yeah but but it's it's, it's pretty much the camper inside is eight by eight uh wood stud uh all the the uh the power is running the walls uh in the ceilings um and it it man it does its job but you, you, People think that a camper or, you know, a, a trailer that size isn't nimble. I mean, we've been to Land of Lakes. I mean, we've been to several, uh, 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 we've been to Hoosier. We've been all up in Hoosier. And that, that place, they, they call those hills. But from where I come from, those are mountains. Those are, those are some big hills. And, I mean, we, we drag that thing all over the place. And it has, uh, uh, you know, a high enough clearance. Like, I don't worry about bottom out. I don't worry about any of that. I can drag that that trailer pretty much anywhere I want to go, um, and really not not even worry about it. Um, I've never been bottomed out in it, and I've took it some sketchy places. And you know, my wife's usually the one she's over there shaking her head. She's usually the one to tell me, "Hey, we don't need to go down there." And I'm like, "Oh, we'll we'll be okay. We'll make it." You know, and I put it in some crazy places, and I mean, it, it's it's never failed me yet. So. Real quick, and then I'm going to get to Paul. Uh, William, what is the truck setup you use to tow that thing? Uh, we got a 3500 Dodge diesel, oh, and we had we had a toy, we had a full size Toyota Tundra. We was hauling it before, and it had a little squad on it. We was thinking about getting some airbags and stuff, uh, but as you know, as far as truck wise, it would. It, I mean, it would drag it. I mean, no problem. Um, but the the aerodynamics isn't the best. Uh, there were some things that I wanted to do. We put more cone or more wind resistance on the front. Uh, still probably going to do that down the road. It just, it, I mean, we got this truck and it, this 3,500 just, you know, drags it like no problem, but um, probably going to do that down the road to see if we can get some more fuel economy um, and, and, you know, better overall ride and, and have to fight the wind the whole time. So Absolutely. Well, uh, Paul, I want to get to you now, talk about your build. So Paul's like in the middle of his build right now. So um, Paul, mm-hmm. you, your build's at a, you're kind of converting a, an enclosed trailer to do exactly what you're wanting. Talk a little bit about what was you know your reason for doing this build, what inspired you to do the build, and talk about the build itself and like the components of what you're actually building with this enclosed trailer setup. Well, I got the trailer because – I, I plan on, I want to start doing a lot more long distance trips and stuff. And like, like last year I went to Ohio and I slept in a hammock for 14 days in the back country. You know, I was just parking on the side of the road and then I would park next to a tree, tie my hammock up to the tree and then bring the other side over to my Jeep and tie it to the uh, cargo rack to set up and sleep but every time i get up in the morning i'd have to tear down everything put it all back up pack it away you know i'm packing up the tarps always soaking wet and packing a wet tarp into my car and everything so i was like i'm like this is a pain in the butt to do every day so i was like i'm gonna get something for i'm gonna get like a little trailer or something where i can just leave my stuff and lock it up and have it secure you know, because, like, I, I did a lot of uh, tent camping with wall tents with uh, stoves and stuff up in the Adirondacks as a kid and everything. And that always worked great for what we were doing, you know. But some of these places I'm going now, I don't know how safe and secure I'm going to be leaving a tent like that on the side of the road or something. So now I can just kind of have all my stuff in a 
locked up trailer where it's secure and safe and i'll have like a base camp you know and then i still i i will always carry the capability to go like back country backpack in and set up camp farther in if i need to you know i'll carry my backpack and my hammock my like you know my winter winter uh tarp and stuff like that for going hunting if i need to get way back off the road but with the trailer it's just an excellent home base you know and then you know when you're traveling you could pull over in a truck stop and sleep and you know it just makes it more convenient for doing longer trips you know Absolutely. So, Paul, I want to talk a little bit more about your build. Uh, so, you went with an enclosed trailer. You're you're an aluminum fabricator. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know by design, by career. So, I, I wanted to talk about like what's some of the things that you've been adding to the actual enclosed trailer. Talk about the dimensions. What's the length of the trailer? And then also, like, how are you setting up like the bed? Uh, also, what are you using for like a heat source? Because again, you're holding hunting some pretty cold conditions. A power, the whole mm-hmm. nine yards. And then I want to kind of get with that with everybody else too. Yeah, well, I, I, I bought a uh, 6 by 12 enclosed trailer, and it's a pretty much it's all aluminum trailer, real lightweight trailer. I think base weight on the trailer is like 1,100 pounds. I think that's what it was when I, when I was looking at the, the sheets. So I'm just I'm doing everything I'm doing. I'm trying to do all aluminum. Like I built bunk beds in there, you know, put the bunk beds in. I got all my shelving is out of aluminum. I'm building, I, I, uh, I have a wood stove in it to, to keep the heat really cranking in the, the winter time. Cause like uh, I'll be out, like I can get soaking wet. It gets really damp on the Northeast where I am, you know, so you get soaking wet and you got a, got a way you could dry yourself out up here. You know, you'll be out hunting all day, covered in snow, come back and you can throw all your clothes up and, that thing will be bone dry in the morning when you wake up, you know, so I got the stove for that. And then I also plan on doing a lot of trips out West and stuff, and I'm planning on coming down South. So I put an air conditioner in it too, which is just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those portable air conditioners with the vent that goes into the window. So it's really easy. I'm trying to, everything I do, I try to make it like multiple, multiple use or easy to like, pick up and take out or move or readjust. So whatever I have, I, I have, I'm trying to make as much use out of the space that I have, you know? So like the, I just put in a stove inside, but it's uh, a stove I can take out and put on a table outside if I want to cook outside, but I can still cook inside or I can use the table for a big cutting cutting table for butchering deer or i can take it and use it as a workbench now you paul know, so. ta- i want you to talk about talk about your generator setup and also the idea you're going to do especially doing multi-leg trips like with different states of using a deep uh deep freezer uh or standing mm-hmm. freezer um in your actual trailer too yeah so i i plan on going all over the country i want to my i want to shoot a, a quality deer in every state you know, so that's, that's my goal. So if I go to one state and I shoot one, I don't want to turn around and come all the way back and then have to drive all the way back and keep burning gas, you know? So I, I got uh, a little Honda, uh, 2200 generator. I think it's a 1600 watt generator and it's got enough power to, to run a small chest freezer 
that I'm going to put in the trailer. And it's uh, once again, it's the chest chest freezers on wheels too. So I can push it around and move it if I need to, you know, but I plan on, I'll shoot a deer, bone it out, butcher it, put it in the chest freezer, fire up the generator while I'm driving on the, and have the, the generator sat on the tongue of the trailer. And then I could freeze that meat as I'm going. And then I could go right to the next state. I got everything frozen in there. And then, those chest freezers, once they're frozen, it takes a couple of days for them to thaw out again. If, as long as your freezer is full, you're good to go. You know, so you just bring a bunch of water jugs, like or get gallon gallon jugs of water, and fill that freezer to the top. You know, so you always keep the whole thing frozen. You know, and as you need as you need more as you put meat in there or something, you just take out a jug of water, and then you got fresh water that once it thaws out. You know, so that's that's my plan on running it like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. I've seen guys do that specifically when going like Colorado elk hunting, uh, where they're not even staying mm-hmm. in the trailer, but they'll bring a deep freeze, put it in an enclosed trailer, run a generator for exactly like what you're talking about. Instead of dealing with coolers, they'll debone everything, yeah. throw it in the freezer, run the generator, and they're not worried about stopping for ice or anything like that on the way home. Um, so that, that's yeah. a pretty interesting design. Keith Hall, getting back to you, I, I want to talk a little bit more about your builds, okay? Um, you know, with your builds, one thing that's interesting about your builds compared to like, uh, I guess, uh, William's build be somewhat similar, but still not as bone stripped down as yours were. You pretty much just started with, a, a some kind of steel frame trailer and kind of built up from there. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you kind of designed like the, the panels and everything else with your design? Because again, yours is pretty much from the ground up being built, um, which is again, kind of interesting because you're able to kind of design it how you want to, to fit your needs. And again, it seems like you're going for compact, lightweight setup that, you know, you can, you know, store some gear and you can stay dry. You have a comfortable place to sleep. Uh, and again, extremely nimble while, uh, you know, while traveling. So can you talk a little bit about that again and how you kind of started from the ground up with the, both those builds and kind of develop the style to make sure it had everything in it you needed? Yeah, the um, first one, you know, my son kind of designed it and laid everything out. And I was fortunate we found a five by eight trailer. We basically gutted it down to just the bare lower frame and started from there. And um, he designed, you know, how he wanted his walls and everything. He, he paid attention to some, um, forums on the internet, uh, square drop trailer builds, uh, teardrop trailer builds, stuff like that. Got some designs. Um, we went with a straight plywood build on the first one. So there were the only insulation was in the roof. Um, everything else was just straight plywood. And what we found out in the South, that's with our humidity and everything, get a lot of moisture and sweating on the inside. So a lot of the builds he was looking at was mainly from the West coast. Um, so the second one, um, again, we, uh, we bought a trailer frame, uh, did some reinforcing on it, ran a tongue front to back to stiffen it, but keep it really lightweight. And this one, um, I did a sandwich style construction on it. So we have exterior plywood, uh, framing with insulation and then an interior plywood. And as we built it, um, each layer would integrate with the next layer. So everything combined. So it's a solid box. Uh, it's framed roof walls. Everything's got one inch insulation insulation throughout the exterior. Uh, we did the same thing we did on the first one. It's called PMF, uh, poor man's fiberglass. Um, 
did a lot of research on there's there's campers and boats and stuff from the 1960s and 70s that built all this stuff and they're still around so like that's pretty durable so we did some test runs on some wood to make sure we were doing it right and um it's held up real well uh we do when we have parked at the house we'll tarp it uh the only thing bad about the uh paint grade fiberglass is if you're under trees and stuff like that with sap it will stain it so we'll tarp it when it's not in use um yes home principle keep it small uh we tend when my son goes we're going to camp in a campground so we have easy access to showers and stuff like that um i've taken it to a couple places where there are no campgrounds available not kansas a lot of the uh campgrounds shut down around october they there's nothing available in november december so the way mine's set up uh, i can run shoreline i can run generator or i can go solar power solar power i lose some amenities as far as like my electrical heat and stuff like that but then i can go to now I've got a couple of these little buddy heaters and um, the way I've got the trailer vented, don't have any issues there. Um, I, our concept on the electrical was basically a keep it simple. You know, I started looking there, you sink thousands of dollars into different electrical components, inverters, converters, all that stuff. We thought we basically need a battery for all the 12 volt system. We need a way to hook solar power to the 12 volt system. And we need a chart where to charge the 12 volt system without the solar. So basically we went to is we have a shoreline. It feeds all the 110 volt stuff. It also feeds a trickle charger that charges the 12 volt battery. We've got a AGM, ACM, whatever the newer style batteries are, a deep cycle battery. That battery will last about seven or eight days running the lights and USB ports, uh, fans, stuff like that without being charged. Um, so generator shoreline will feed it as long as I need it. I was gonna say to talk a little bit more about your, uh, your build, uh, Keith, can you talk about, like you were talking about power and this, is what I'm interested with everybody's build here. Um, cause I know some guys run generators, some guys are using solar and some guys, you know, also haven't set up to be able to hook up at campgrounds, hold on yards with your setup. Uh, just to clarify, you're not running the AC, you know, you're just running a fan system and, and for heat, you're using mostly a buddy heater. Is that correct? Well, I've got it. Um, if I have uh, shoreline capability or if I take my generator with me, I've got a little 2000 Honda also. I have a small, it's, it's probably an eight by eight inch little floor heater um, like you put under your desk and it'll heat that whole cabin as warm as you want it to be. Um, I do have a 5000 BTU window unit. Um, on the first one I built, it sat into the front of it and it was uh, built in. Well, no matter what I put on the front of it, road debris would bend the fence up on it. Um, so I went away, and on the second one, I do a rear hatch door that drops out, and then you slide the window unit outward so that it can exhaust. So I do have air conditioning uh, capabilities. Um, you know, going to Missouri or Kentucky in September, I could probably use it uh, most of the time. You know, we're going to go up to um, Oklahoma to uh, Broken Bow, do some fishing, kayak fishing, some trout fishing. So the weather there in May probably won't need an air conditioning unit. So I have a vent fan in the ceiling 
uh, 10 speed runs off 12 volt, um, both in exhaust and ventilation. So when you get air either way, we've got a full time vent on the side of it that's open port just to let the camper breathe. And then we've got uh, a window on it, so we're able to open it up and get a ventilation going through there. Also, what, Keith, with with that build, um, what has been like? What was like the most challenging aspect of that build, specifically like the second build you made? Um, you know, you had you had the test run with the first build. The second build, what's like the most challenging thing that you ran across while trying to build that out? It got a lot simpler. Um, the first one, you know, was all new to us, trying to build something. Basically, my son's designing as we go. The second one, I had no drawings, no blueprints. I just basically knew in my mind kind of how I wanted to change things, what we've learned. Um, I built it at the fire department. So days we were slow or days I was off, I'd swing by the fire department and work on it. Um, the guy was kind of tickled at me because I completely framed it and skinned it in two days with about four or five hours in it. So I basically had a mindset and I went after it. Um, the most difficult thing, honestly, is the, uh, the exterior, uh, poor man's fiberglass. It's, it's, a uh, a timely cyclist. It took me two, four, six, six days to put the exterior on it. Cause it's a layer process and it's basically like watching paint dry, watching glue dry takes a while. Everything else on it's pretty simplistic. And that goes back to what I said earlier. Everybody falls back on what they're comfortable with. I'm comfortable with wood. Um, I'm learning to weld, um, doing some welding on it, but I'm not as comfortable with doing the whole frame out of metal. Um, would be more rigid and probably hold up better. But with my familiarity of wood, I'm able to make it fairly as solid. Also, one, one last thing, uh, Keith, I want you to touch on is lighting. What kind of lighting do you have set up with the trailer? Um, and did you do anything specific on the outside lighting or like your kind of like the cabinetry back in that opens up any specific lighting for, you know, outdoor use in the evenings? Um, my son did the research on that and we knew we were going with a 12 volt system. That way, if we're going on a long hunt, uh, somewhere we need to pull over on the side of the road and sleep for the night we can get in there sleep and we can run everything off the 12 volt so i have a uh, dual cabin light led 12 volt we have a light in the galley kitchen um it'll light up the whole galley and the whole cooking area when you're standing outside of it and then i have an exterior uh, led uh, 12 volt light also and it will light up the whole awning area and once i get the awning room it'll light it all up the first camper we did some uh, external lights as far as like um more of a high beam flood style light and we realized we really didn't need that because you light up the whole campground so we went with a i think there are 320 lumens is what we did on all three lights so as far as 12 volt goes we have three lights uh cabin galley and exterior we have four USB ports, uh, two in the cabin, two in the galley, so we can charge batteries, uh, cell phones, iPads, stuff like that. And then we have the fan. Um, I forget the name of the fan, super fan or 
something like that. A lot of people use them on these builds, and it's 12 volt also. And then um, as far as like 110, we have a six receptacle, um, basically surge protector type deal in the back of it. And then we have one outlet inside the cabin. So we can plug in the AC or the heater. And then the trickle charger runs off the 110 also. So I've got a front box on it, basically a three foot wide trailer box. Um, we got it from Harbor Freight for like $120. And I basically drilled a hole inside of it and put a access port. And that's where our shoreline plugs into. And then everything is broken down from there inside that box that our battery, our fuse block, um, all the different surge protectors for the 12 volt system. And then basically we ran everything inside the walls from there. 110 system we ran under the floor. So I figured that would be the one thing, if anything would ever break, would be the stepper wire, 110 wire. So I want to run it underneath um, inside the frame. So if everything, anything did break, we'd be able to go in there and repair it. I did, um, on this build, the last build was mated to the frame. This one, we built the cabin separately. And in some of my pictures, you actually see it on saw horses as we're doing some work to it. So it bolts down to the frame with six carriage bolts. So if there was any damage to it from the storm or God forbid we're in a wreck or something like that, we can actually pull the cabin off of it and do repairs and then put it right back on the frame. Oh, that's super handy. Um, I got two other questions for you, uh, Keith, that you can touch on. First off, what vehicle do you use to tow this uh, trailer with, this camper? And also, how important or was it even important to worry about ground clearance with the trailer? Um, The first one and... The premise of this one, I was towing my uh, Toyota Tacoma four-wheel drive. Um, I got the wild hair to get a Jeep, so I uh, sold the Jeep with the crazy prices of vehicles right now. They offered me more than what I paid for the Toyota, so I got me a Jeep. And uh, I took a test run this morning when I left the fire department with it, ran down the interstate, no issues at all. Jeep doesn't even tell that little trailer's back there. Um as far as ground clearance, it's running 31-inch tires on it. My Jeep has 35s. My Tacoma had 31, so I kind of matched it up to it. I don't want to put 35s on it for the simple reason of getting in and out of it. You know, I'm at the point now I use a little step stool, little one-tier step stool anyway. <laughs> put 35s on it, I probably need three steps. I don't think I'm going to see that much of a gas mileage issue with it because it stays in the confines of the Jeep. It's actually about six inches narrower than the jeep on the sides and it's about four inches shorter and with the slanted front i believe the aerodynamics of it uh, it shouldn't drop the gas mileage that much yeah but i didn't realize you had that big of tires on this new build so 31 inch tires um you know that that's significant and again that again to me kind of lends itself a little more helpful when it talks to ground clearance when you're actually you know towing it in and around some of this public land and stuff like that if you ever you know that ever became a worry to have using some real small tires uh that you can find on you know some of these other builds they're just like some of the real small enclosed trailers like i've got one's a six foot enclosed trailer and it's got some small tires on it and uh definitely that would be one of my issues would be ground clearance if i was going to you know convert that to anything um uh, but I want to get over real quick to Zach. Zach, I want to talk about your van build. Actually, Paul, what you got? Got your hands up. I wanted to say something that's pretty important when you're thinking about these tire sizes and stuff like that when you're doing these trailers. 
if you put too small of a tire on there, you got to think about how fast that wheel is spinning when you're going down the highway and how much extra friction you're putting on wheel bearings and stuff with these smaller wheels. So if you've got a, you got a little, little wheel, you could be, that wheel could be spinning 200 miles an hour if you're going 85 miles an hour. So you can go put yourself into situations where you get a lot of blowouts and stuff like that. You know, so when, when, like when I bought that enclosed trailer, that's what one thing that kind of caught my eye on that one I bought is the tire size was a fairly large tire so that I knew that the rotational it's not spinning, put as much friction on them wheel bearings. So that's going to help a lot in longevity and making sure I don't have any failures on the side of the road case, case something happens. But if, if it does, I, I'm always going to have wheel bearings in the trailer, you know, stuff like certain things to keep it going. Will. So I'm right on board with what he's saying. When we first got our trailer, uh, we had some, uh, I think they were around a 30 inch uh, trailer tire. Um, And we were pulling it on the interstate going, you know, 85 miles an hour. And when we stopped at the first rest area and got out and, and that's me, every time I get out, I check the hubs, you know, go around the trailer, make sure. And, and the hubs were warm, very warm, got the grease gun out thinking I didn't have enough grease, you know, greased all the, the wheel bearings in the, in the, in the uh, trailer, went back to sleep that night, got up. We only went a couple miles on the next, uh, on the next, uh, leg and I got out and the wheel bearings were warm again. So I couldn't figure out what he was saying about the wheel ratio uh, and how fast you go and how fast they turn. So my camper has the dual axle, so it's actually got four tires. So the smaller tires, even on you know a 30-inch 30, 30 tire isn't really that small. But on a dual axle, when you turn and everything, they fight against each other, and they actually heat the wheel bearings up faster than you think they do. So we had to go to at least a 33-inch tire so we wasn't overheating wheel bearings. Interesting. Super interesting. And so that's a really good point when you're talking about, you know, people that are interested in doing a build, you know, how important that could be, um, especially like upgrading that. Because, I mean, all you guys, you know, are, are going pretty fair distances. I'm sure, you know, sometimes y'all might hunt, you know, an hour or two from the house. But, you know, Paul, you're talking about doing, you know, probably multi-day trips, uh, distance. I know, William, you go some pretty far distances as well with your rig. Uh, and again, um, Keith, you're talking about with your rig going to Kansas and stuff like that. So, um, you know, y'all traveling a lot, that makes a lot more sense, especially when it comes like overall maintenance and and making sure, you know, these tires and wheels are sized accordingly. So you don't have over, you know, whelming wear and tear on a rig that, you know, you shouldn't be having. Um, I guess that is the difference when you buy some of these setups, especially if you're buying like a, say like a smaller enclosed trailer and we're going to do a bill with that, you know, a lot of those you know, enclosed trailers are more used for like, you know, in town use. I mean, it's one of those things that you, most guys are buying those setups, whether they have a, some kind of business they're using it for, they're not doing, you know, multi, you know, state trips going super long distances, especially at, you know, speeds we're talking about. Um, so that, that's something that definitely would play into consideration for, you know, this kind of aspect of, you know, making sure that's all up to date and also make sure you really keep an eye uh, on that overall maintenance, especially when you're talking about the wheel bearings potentially, you know, wearing out and getting hot as well. So that's, that's a really good point, uh, William. Um, 
Uh, Zach, I, I do want to get to you, and I want to talk about this van build because again, you're in a different boat of everybody else. I mean, you get this this one system. I mean, you, you start her up and roll, and you got everything you need there. What have you done for like power? You know, AC, heating, all that kind of stuff, lighting. What's kind of your setup there? Solar, not solar. What's kind of your overall system? And, and also, after you talk about your system and how you have it, you know, set up. What are things that you're looking to potentially change or upgrade, if anything? Uh, as far as power goes, um, and air conditioning and all that. So I do not have air conditioning, but I mean, for most of the time where I'm using it, I'm, I don't need it. I need heat. Uh, didn't even think I needed heat in the beginning, but I'll get to that. So basically whenever I set mine up, uh, I was thinking solar power right off the bat. I put solar panels on top. Like he said, I haven't run to a Marine battery. Um, but I don't have a shoreline right now. I probably will eventually, do that so that I can charge off of shore power, but I haven't needed to yet. And, um, so, and the reason I haven't is because I kind of limit what I plug into it, what I use the electric for. And it, it's pretty simple, you know, like, uh, I thought the electric on the solar power would be the hardest part, man, you bolt them on, they're like plug and play. You run in down to an adapter, it goes to the, or charge adapter, it goes into the battery and then you come out and, um, you have an inverter and then like my receptacles or my 110 receptacles are actually just extension cords and they plug into the inver or inverter. I found those on Amazon for like 15 bucks a piece. So they're super easy and they got USB plug-ins, USB-C plug-ins and a 110 regular uh, plug-in in it. Uh, then I have a sink on the inside. Uh, the sink is actually operated uh, off a battery powered um Pump. like uh i'm sure you've seen those big water jugs you know that you turn upside down and you like get a cup of water out from under so that sits upright and then on amazon you can find these little battery powered pumps that sit on top and it has a little siphon hose that goes down you turn it on and it has a spout that comes out it's made to fill up a cup in case you don't have one of those containers but anyways i created a sink and a drain system and so you can use that it has a little spout that comes out um but then, so when I had all that set up, first trip, I go to Illinois, first night, it's 28 degrees. I thought, I mean, I've insulated this thing. It's going to be fine. Man, I froze to death. I mean, I froze to death. I woke up 3 o'clock morning turned the van on. I mean, I thought I, I put on all my clothes. I put on my – I had Sipka gear at the time. I put it on, had a beanie on, and went back to bed. Then I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning to get dressed and started up the truck I started looking at, like Keith was talking about, little buddy heaters and stuff. Like a lot of those propane heaters create moisture on the inside, and especially in mine, because um, I have a lot of windows. So I had to figure out something where they make these all-in-one diesel heaters. And basically, uh, I just put it in the back, bolted it to the floor. You run an exhaust out to the floor and an inlet out. That's really easy. Um, and then it just goes over to the 12-volt marine battery. That All that does is run the fan. And then the the heater, and you know, obviously it it helps the pump and everything. But uh, and then the heater works off a of diesel, and I mean, I could you'll run yourself out of the van now. It's got a little electric control on it, a uh, a button that you got to convert it to Celsius because it's a Chinese thing. I think it costs like like 180 bucks. But anyway, you just set the temperature, and uh, that that thing will run you out of the van. I actually bought five gallons of diesel plus i filled it up so I, i'm thinking that it was around seven i can't remember but um on the 
fifth day or fourth day, I actually had pour a little more diesel in and I went home with still on. So on day six, I was still, I probably had three gallons in my, in my diesel tank in the back. So it heats plenty fine uh, for air. I don't have any air, but I do have a, you know, like in a camper, you have the deal on top where you can open up the deal and press a little fan. So I, I have some circulation in there and uh, that's pretty much my setup as far as power and how that goes. Um, and what was the second part of that question? Is there anything that you're looking to change uh, or update or, or do anything differently when it comes to like the power, the lighting, heating, AC? Is there anything like that that you're looking to potentially change, or do you have it pretty much where you want it to be right now? As far as the major parts of the build, I'm set up. I mean, like, there's very small things I want to do. Like I said, the shore power, I want to put – I actually have a box because when I bought my van, it was a uh, – it was a wheelchair van, you know, I had a wheelchair lift in it and everything. So there's a box outside where the wheelchair lift controls are. I actually want to put a plug there so I can plug in the shore power. Cause like the first two days in Ohio, we were staying somewhere where we had shore power and I was like, it'd be nice to not have to run an extension cord outside to run this electric heater. But, uh, that's probably the smallest thing I do, but I, mostly the things I'm changing right now are organization. Like, you know, I, when I first left, I thought, okay, I'm just going to put stuff in these totes and then I'll put this here and there. Like the room is limited in a van. Like I promise you, you know, like I put enough room in the floor so that I thought, okay, if somebody goes with me, we can throw an air mattress in the floor, worst case scenario. Well, like that would, even that now after doing it for a while would be tough. But the organization part is like, so you have everything where you want it and then you get going down the road and then you realize you know, like William was saying, you end up in some of these places that are like mountains and then you go over the top and the next thing you know, everything in the back is in the floor. So, so that's some of the stuff that I would change it, it, not so much the power and everything. I mean, you know, as far as uh, lights, I use strip lights and then they're just like the others, you know, you know, just ran them around, screw them in and then they go right into the inverter plug in. Um, but overall it was a pretty simple as far as the, electric and set up the whole difficulty of my build is like you were talking about Keith, what he found difficult. The whole difficulty of mine was nothing in a van is square. Nothing. I mean, like it is shaped like a football and it is a pain in the ass. <laughs> you might have to beat that out, but I mean, it is a pain. Uh, you know, you'll cut something three, four five times. It seems like, you know, and you're having to, we eventually got to where we were taking big pieces of cardboard and we were put them in there and cut our cardboard and then we'd lay it and that would become our template. So the, the, that was the hardest part of the van. I want to talk a little bit more about the build itself and also how you came about finding this van because in, in this little bit, I want to talk about budgets with everybody. If everybody kind of has an idea of, you know, what you were expecting to spend versus what you actually spent on the builds. Um, but Zach, kind of talking about, you know, your build, you, you talked about you found it, you found this van, you know, it was originally a wheelchair van, and you kind of stripped it out. What have you done to the van? We talked a little bit about the power, but like when it comes to like the bed frame, storage, like what did you kind of do right off the bat and when you had to strip it out, the flooring, all that kind of stuff, and how did you insulate it? Okay, so first off, if you're going to buy a van, the especially like an E-150, you have to really think about shocks, support, leaf springs, things like that. 
Well, because mine was a wheelchair converted van, it had already been updated to F three fifty length. So that's the first thing I did is I put bigger tires on it to kind of get the ground clearance because I did need those things. And yeah, I mine was pretty much a barn find. I mean, a guy's mother was in a nursing home. Uh, he kept this in a barn. He would go pick her up once a month. Uh, it's a 2003 model. It had like 64 original miles, 64,000 original miles on it. So it had been hardly driven at all. Uh, he was the second owner. The original owner was his neighbor. So it had been right there the entire time. Uh, and how I found it, honestly, was Facebook Marketplace. Like the day I decided I'm getting a van, I got on Facebook Marketplace. I typed in van, and I kid you not, it's the first picture that popped up. So that was when it was like, okay, this is too good to be true. It said $2,500. I messaged a guy. said, can I come look at it Friday? I'll be there. I will more than likely buy it. I get there, and I was like, well, would you take two? He was like, dude, I am not even going to entertain it. I don't have like seven people. So I was like, no problem at all. Here's the $2,500. Because where I differ there than everybody else is that I have the motor to maintain, you know, like, so, so like what van and the shape of the van that I was getting was very important to me because I didn't want to be work on the side of the damn road. You know, that was a big issue to me. Um, but then I found this and I mean, it's like in pristine condition, you can tell it's been dinged up a couple of times on the outside, but like when you open the hood, this thing was clean. It had been kept under a roof the whole time. And as far as, that goes so i bought it for 2500 i was able to flip the wheelchair lift and the wheelchair for about 400 bucks which is way cheaper than what they're worth but i was just trying to get rid of them and then uh at that point there's a lot of things that you have to consider because of the wheelchair stuff like so the front seat was set up so that it would actually rotate mechanically and it had a different base and it set up really high because all this motor and stuff under it so i had to reconfigure that then I had to pull all the carpets out and everything. And that's so it took me a while to get to ground zero, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and once I got to that point, like you asked, oh, so how did I insulate it? Like I had no idea what I was going to do. I started out trying with spray foam, like, because it's not an open panel, you know, it's not like a wood slatted wall where you can just put the insulation in there. So like I tried with spray foam and you try to stick it inside those holes, like, man, those quarter panels go a lot deeper in that van than you would think. So I ended up just, man, I had some uh, fiberglass bat insulation and I just started tearing the stuff off and stuffing it in holes as far as I could. And then I ran into the, so the issue was the ceiling and the floor. The floor actually was pretty easy. They make some like uh sticky back thin insulation for like uh, uh certain type of, air conditioned vents and stuff like that. So all I was doing on the floor was really, it's it's going to be a moisture barrier more than anything, just kind of keep that moisture coming through, keeping that hot to cold. Um, and then I was able to lay it over there. And then the floor, I put a uh, real thin wood floor on top of that, screwed it down. Uh, make sure that you don't put, if you do something like this, make sure you're not putting screws through something. Cause I did put a screw in the air conditioner line. That was uh that was unfortunately about an $800 fix. So I spent $800 fixing an air conditioner line on a $2,500 van. <laughs> then I put a screw through myself. But anyway, and then just rolled out vinyl floor. Um, and then the ceiling, I took the insulation, and it was just bad insulation. I sprayed sticky stuff up there, stuck it in everywhere that I could. And then uh, getting the actual ceiling up was the hardest part. 
if you ever look at inside of mine, it actually does have a wood ceiling, and we were able to just take a full piece of paneling, and then that full piece of paneling doesn't cover the entire ceiling section. And that was probably the hardest part of our build. So you got a four by eight sheet in there, but then there's a gap between the sheet on the wall and the four by eight sheet on the ceiling like this. So if you ever pay real close attention to any interior picks of mine, you'll see there's actually, so like I said, it's built like a football on the inside. There's actually a piece of vinyl siding that you'll see inside my van that connects it to, and it looks like big white trim up there. Well, that's just vinyl siding stuck underneath. But uh, man, it, I mean, I guess basically it's like building a shop or a house. Just just shove insulation wherever you can. And the good thing about a van is is uh, nobody's ever built one, so nobody's going to show up and critique it. They open up the doors and they're like, "Oh wow!" They don't put they don't notice any of the crap that you've done. I promise you, I am not a woods a woods worker. But there is some stuff in mind that is like if you paid real close attention, you'd be like. Eh. <laughs> Uh, also, real quick, uh, talk to me about your, your bed frame, how, how you get that set up so you can still walk around in there and also, I guess, store stuff underneath it, uh, and then, then we'll hop over to William. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm fairly short, 5'9", 5'10", somewhere in there. Um, the straight across in my van is like right at six foot, um, so it's a little bit cramped, but I can kind of sleep diagonal on the bed and get a, just a little bit of extra room. Uh, I actually use an air mattress and people would think, well, the air gets cold, but like I got those weighted blankets and I just take those weighted blankets and wrap that air mattress and then have a weighted blanket on top of me. I, I have no issue with the air mattress. Uh, my frame is just a built out of wood, kind of similar to Paul's, how he built them out of aluminum. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I have a wood runner running across the floor, four uprights coming up and then a plywood top and uh, just throw the air mattress on top of it. And if I need the extra space while I'm traveling, the good thing about the air mattress is I can deflate the mattress that turns into extra space and I actually have some little toe hooks on the bottom of the runners. So if I need extra space while I'm driving, I'll take and stack on that bed and I can run ratchet straps over the top of the bed and cinch down to that plywood. And the other reason that that comes into play is because like you're asking these guys what they do like to kill a deer like with the deep freeze and so, so i don't have that i have a yeti so whenever whenever i kill a deer like all the organization all the cool stuff that's out the window like it's like what can you fit and where can you fit it so that really comes into play like how much room do you have that you're that you utilize while you're living, how much of that room can you utilize while you're traveling? Like, because when you're coming back heavy, I mean, like there, you have no idea how much extra room you're gonna need until you use it. And then you're like, man, I did not realize how big a pain this is gonna be. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls, but they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call, and you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth tooth game calls that's sop24 use it at checkout it helps the podcast hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at... Uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50 yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable. Like everybody's jaws were dropping. Like when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. The same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K-chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. Yeah. I feel like with a, a van setup, one thing that kind of comes to my attention, which I guess the, the solar panels kind of screw you up depending on like how much of the roof top is like cover solar panels, but it makes me think of like a roof rack to be able to like store stuff and have like some big dry boxes as well as kind of get stuff out of the floor of the van and up there, especially like when you do get something killed. But it, it is kind of interesting again, how, you know, with a van, you know, it's not only your vehicle, your drive, but also where you're staying at. So like that space really does diminish compared to like, if you had a truck and you're pulling one of these trailers, you know, you can store some stuff in the truck, you can store some stuff in the trailer. You have, you know, area to move stuff around, which you really don't have in a van. Like you're, you're given the space you have and you can make it work with what you've got. Well, and you talk about budget earlier, so that that's a big thing. Is it was budget for me? I'd already spent twenty five hundred dollars in the van, uh, netted. I was about twenty one hundred. So, what did I have to, you know, what did I have to play with? A roof rack was not in the works for me, but it would have been a great idea. Like I was building my my van the exact same time as Sam Soho. Like, if you want to spend that kind of money, you can. And man, it'll be an awesome setup. But I got five thousand to fifty six hundred dollars in my rig overall. And, you know, it drives me to and from. I sleep in it, sleep on the side of the road. It's hard to beat $5,600. I, I save that money in hotels pretty quick with this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, William, I want to jump over to you. I want to talk a little bit more about your build as well, talk some details here along with kind of budget and everything. Uh, so you mentioned this early on in the conversation about, like, your build originally was a big, long trailer, uh, just expanded metal trailer that you actually built the frame to. You built the roof on it, the whole nine yards. And that's something I did not realize. To be honest, when you look at your build, it looks like it was an enclosed trailer that you then cut part of it off, framed it in, and then, you know, put a rooftop on it or whatever. But that's not the case. Talk a little bit more about your build. Like, do you have any kind of background when it comes to welding or fabricating or anything like that? Um, and, and kind of what all went into, like, the build itself, especially when you're talking about, like, power, insulation, the whole nine yards with that build yeah my, my background's in construction i've done welding and you know metal stuff my whole life uh not really a lot of the aluminum tig type type stuff you know that some of these guys are doing but 
I can do it. It's just not as pretty, <laughs> but, um, it, 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 when I started out, I found this trailer. Uh, it was a, uh, you know, where they, they keep the weed eaters and all up front. It's all expanded metal. It's all closed in with locks and all this stuff. So before I did anything, I had to cut almost all of this stuff off the front out to get down to a solid trailer. I left the expanded metal. It's about two foot tall on the back, on the back of the trailer. Uh, and started with my with the box there, um, and I went through about six hours of YouTube videos and internet trying to figure out the best way to attach the studs and all of this stuff to a floor and make it make it aerodynamic and sturdy at the same time because you're going to be driving down the road eighty miles an hour and you're going to have wind hitting this thing and it's just a square box, you know. And uh, we we come on some uh, some some pieces that we found. Um, I can't remember the name of the company now. It's out of out of Middle Georgia up there, but they actually attach to uh, studs to the aluminum. I mean the, the steel angle, and you drill through it and bolt, so it's never going anywhere. And then um, I come up off of that with uh, actually like half two by four, so it's a two by two. And then I put extra bracing in everything, which I probably overdid it, but I wanted to make sure that this thing was going to last because I'm, my wife calls me Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I, I break everything. So I wanted to make this thing to where it would last and I would not have to worry about it at all. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of those, one of those person I want to build it and not have to mess with it anymore unless I want to change something. And that's, that's exactly how I went through every step of this thing. Um, but my, my electrical, so I, we started thinking about it. I wanted to go to where I could be, you know, self-sustained and do anything I wanted to. So we went solar, we went generator, we went shore power, and we went 12-volt. So I have, you know, four different ways uh, that I can provide electricity. Now, it all goes through a smart controller. So it pretty much is a... I guess you can call it a 12 volt unit. I have two um, uh, glass mat batteries um, that all, everything feeds to pretty much. When the generator's on, I'm charging through a, uh, a four stage charger. Um, when I'm shore power, I'm still you know, using that charger. My solar is running just a couple battery, uh, just a couple lights if I need it, and charging my batteries. Um, and I can plug it into my, my trailer to my truck. Like if I'm going anywhere, my batteries are low. I'm charging my truck, charging through my truck the whole time we're driving. So if I'm somewhere, you know, let's say, you know, you got a wire that's broke, uh, on your solar and you have to use your generator. You've been there for a week, you run out of gas. Um, you don't have shore power. So I can use my truck to still charge my batteries on my camper. And that's, that's how we set everything up. I wanted everything to have, if something broke, I wanted there to be another way. So, um, when I started coming up with the studs, I run all my wiring where I could get to it. If anything ever happened, not saying that you're going to fix some of that stuff on the road, but when you get home, you can easily access everything and fix whatever you need to fix. Um, and I use the insulation, the one inch R20 insulation on all my walls. Uh, and then I used a spray foam over top of that because I had about a half inch more coverage. 
I think I spent $180 in spray foam. Um, just, just, just spray foaming everything I could coming back with a knife and, and cutting everything off square and then putting my, my inside boards and everything up, uh, on the outside, I used the smallest, uh, thinnest, uh, aluminum sheeting that I could find. And actually we got it from Menards and had to have it shipped. Um, but it's like a, uh, real tree APG uh, camo pattern on some really, really thin aluminum, but it is, it, I mean, it's, it's really strong. Like I've had no dings. I mean, I've took it through some bad trees and stuff, which is, <laughs> which I always get yelled at for, but I never get any dings or anything on that stuff. I mean, it is top, top shelf. Um, but you can go to Menards and find it. I think they make it in Mossy Oak Bottomland now also. So there is several different little patterns there in aluminum sheeting that you can find if you want to use that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I got a 30-gallon water tank that is under my bed that's used for the sink, that's used for the showers and the outside hose. All of that's run with a 12-volt water pump. Um, all my lighting inside, so I have the shore power of the generator. I have one 10-volt lights. I have uh, two 1,000-watt uh, floodlights on the back, plus I have uh, the rope lighting. Uh, that goes around so I don't have to have the floodlights if we're just back there cooking or whatever. I can just turn the rope lights on. Um, but, yeah, so I started with the front box. Uh, I got everything of that built like I wanted to, and then I sheeted the sides up two foot high. I put all my trim on it, and we took it to Indiana uh, with the with the, uh, the buggy on the back of it. Um, and when I got there... It's like every time I go hunting, every time I take it somewhere, there's something else I see or I see somebody else's camper. I see that's it's like a constant changing, you know, it, it never stays the same. Um, I'll get home and I'll start working on it. I'll tear something apart that I don't like and I'll rebuild it. And until I get to where I like it and then I leave it there. Um, but it's, it's been an evolving door. Uh, I, I paid um, eight hundred dollars for the for the actual trailer, um, and I probably got, I believe I got about eighty five to eighty six hundred dollars in the camper right now, um, and that's that's budget everything. I mean, I used my own two by fours that I got off of, of jobs that I cut down. I mean, I did everything I could to save money on this thing. Um, and the wiring, I got a buddy that's got a, he's a, he's an electrician. He gave me 90% of the wiring. Now the, the smart controller, the battery chargers, the air conditioner, the, uh, I got one of the instant hot, hot water heaters. Now that actually runs off of gas. So that was another thing. If I had, you know, completely run out of power, couldn't charge, couldn't do anything. I can still have hot water to take a shower with gas. Um, so I wanted that to be separate. Um, but the the biggest the, like I the the air conditioner is a two part they call it a duotherm it's an air conditioner and a heater uh, and it's made by uh, Dometic mm -hmm. and it's actually a camper uh, AC heater uh, and I, I I cut out my roof which broke my heart because it was one solid piece of aluminum you know you're thinking i'm not gonna have any leaks in this thing ever and then i cut a big huge giant hole in it to put an air conditioner in it so <laughs> that 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 broke my heart right there but i mean I, I live in south georgia and in florida 
and we we got a big cypress and hunt we hunt all i mean it, it's hot down here fellas i mean it's hot middle of the summertime we're going fishing you know it's 102 degrees you have to have air conditioner so we had we, we put the air conditioner in we got several fans that we can that can, we can run um but uh everything is kind of like I'm glad that a lot of people are hearing this podcast because they are going to hear some of this information if they try to build one of these things. And they're going to know because they're learning from all the mistakes that we've made. I mean, this whole camper build has been mistakes. And then you change and, you, you know, you, you fix it like you want it. And then you leave that. And then you find something else. Like if you really get down and look like like Keith said, if you really get down and look, you're like, ooh some of that stuff, you know, <laughs> but then, you know, later down the road, you have more time, you know, you're not pressed because you don't have a hunt. It's the middle of the summertime. You don't have anything to do. You go, Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go redo this and make this better. So it's, it's been a dragged out process. I mean, it really has, and it's still not done. Um, I, I can't say that as long as I hunt out of this thing, I'll ever be done because there's several more things I want to put. I want to put a skinning rack that is portable that hangs off the side of the trailer uh, that you can, you know, pull your deer up. You don't have to skin on the ground or on the back of the trailer and have all that stuff. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant process. It really is. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm curious with your build, because I've seen photos of it, but I haven't seen like there's a ton of like detailed photos of your build. Do you have a doorway going from inside the cab onto like the exposed back of the trailer, like where you had the ATV at? No, sir, I don't. So we 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 thought about that, but how we designed it, if we would have put the bed. So our, our door is all, not quite center of the passenger side of the camper. So when you open the door. Uh, pretty much from your doorway to the back of the camper is is your couch bed type. I mean, we only have eight foot, eight by eight uh, inside the box there. Um, so that whole side, and it was it was uh, fold down cots. So you had a little bit more room. They folded up. They were aluminum. They had little pads that go in them, and you could put air mattresses in them or whatever. And they they literally fold up against the wall and lock against the wall, so you had more space. But as, as you, the more you go, you get tired of sleeping on a cot. So I had to get it to where we could have, you know, something we can hang out on. Uh, and we used one of those, uh, uh, the big, uh, couch cushions. I can't even call the name of it now. Um, but we, they, they bend in the middle a futon, a futon mattress. So it folds up and makes a couch and it slides down and makes a queen size bed. Um, and I mean, it was, it was perfect. And I mean, this thing sleeps like a dream. It's one of those memory foam things and a good night's sleep after you've been hunting all day is, and a hot shower is well worth it to me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so, um, we, how it's laid out, like I, I bought like discount cabinets on sale and I got upper and lower cabinets with a countertop and a sink, um, all on the opposite side of where you sleep. So that would be the front facing the truck. So when you walk in the door, you got the couch bed system on one side, and then you have the cabinet system uh, with your countertops, your microwave, coffee pots, all that stuff. And and like one of the other, I think Paul was saying, like you have to really think about organizing this stuff. And you go into some of these places when we first started, and you would go through all these bumps and stuff, and then you open your camper door and there's stuff everywhere, you know, no matter how you lock it down. So we started putting like we have hooks 
and individual locks and all that stuff where we can we can stretch bungee cords across it we can do anything that we need to do to keep all that stuff in place and uh all, i mean that's that's really been knowing where this stuff is going to go after you take it somewhere and and find out you know you can start doing all that stuff and make everything uh you know stay where it needs to stay we had a tv that fell over off in the floor and i mean it was just the, the first couple trips was a learning process i mean but um yeah so we got cabinets inside we have a countertop we have uh everything under the bed uh you know all of our water pumps all of our electrical uh outlets and supplies and all that stuff are underneath the bed um and uh the back is totally separate. We were going to move the beds, but didn't want to walk in and you're looking at the beds. You have not a lot of room there. Uh, so we, if you put a door in the back, you're just taking up two more feet or three more feet almost of room of wall space. So you actually have to walk outside and we put a canopy on the whole passenger side of the uh of, of the camper so you can walk out even if it's raining and walk around and get in the back under the covered part and then we had buddies that wanted to go hunt with us in all these different places so uh, my wife got online and she found uh this enclosure that will uh go around the back of the camper with windows it's all like a white plastic and then it's clear plastic where the windows are, and you can cover the shades and all that. So it, it, it's like a uh, it's like a closed in room, kind of like your uh, you know your pop up tents with the, the the side enclosures on them. It's the same thing, but it actually perfectly fits my twelve foot uh, opening on the back of the camper. So you can you go back there. That's where our shower is. That's where most of our storage is on the back. And then um, you you can just take the canopy back around and get in, inside of the camper. Uh, one more thing, uh, William, about your build. Uh, sometimes, oh, well, actually, before I get to that, Zach, what you got? Yeah, I just want to touch on a couple of things he said. One, if you're going to build one of these, YouTube is your best friend. I mean, like, you're going to run into 25 different things, but you're like, I have no clue how to do this. I promise you somebody has videotaped it and put it on YouTube at some point in time. Um, and another thing he talked about, all the stuff that he used as far as budget wise, you know, two by fours, like you can be as cheap or as expensive as you want to be. But remember at the end of the day, this is a hunting camper. Like nobody's going to see the two by four behind the wall. If it's not rotten, use it. You know, like you're never going to be perfect. Nothing is ever going to be perfect. You're going to do stuff five times before you figure out how to do it usually. So that, that's the one thing I want to touch on. And, you know, like we've all made mistakes. Use every resource that is available. This podcast, reach out to me on Facebook. I'm sure these guys would be willing to do the same. I mean, like use every resource that is available because you will need it. And and, and I hope that people understand that, that it's not going to go right the first time. You're going to go out and hunt with this thing. You're going to see something that you want to change, and that is perfectly fine. You know, this thing doesn't have to be all done and packed up at one time and be this nice little pretty thing at one time. This this thing is, you know, if you're going to keep it a while, you want to make this, uh, you know, turn into something that you want to keep forever, and it just keeps evolving with you. Um you know, when we, we first started, I didn't even have a back on it, on the on mine. And I ended up putting the roof and the back on it. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, I thought, hey, you know, I can put my boat on top of this and still have all the room underneath and I can take my boat anywhere. 
So um, and this thing evolves, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, it, it just do it to fit you, do it to, to get you in the places that you need to be successful. Paul, did you have a question? Yeah, I, I want to add to that. When I was figuring out my build, I purposely, like, if if I need something, I can go to Home Depot, I can go to Lowe's, I can go to Walmart, I can go to an auto parts store, and a lot of the stuff that I'm using, I could just grab off the shelf. You know, I made, uh, I'm trying to do it so it's like, if something breaks, I could just go and get another one. It, real simple to fix it, you know? And like all, all my wiring, instead of going crazy on the wiring, I got a big surge protector. I got ex- extension cords like put up on the walls and stuff like or- to organize them. But like if I need to do something, I could just pull that and move it. I could do whatever I need to do to j- just adjust things, you know, and I just keep it. It's super simple. There's nothing fancy to have to ever worry about it. I don't have to go order something special to fix something on the road. And I would like for it at some point in time, maybe uh, after Paul gets his done and hunts with it, maybe you guys revisit this episode because mm-hmm. like right now, Paul sounds like he's got it figured out. And like after that first one or two trips, he's going to be like, man, this sucked. <laughs> There's going to be certain things. I promise yep. you, I like guarantee it. Yep. Yeah. You're always going to be changing something. Well, one thing I like about this and this conversation is everybody's building something that fit their own needs and their own wants and, and really their own designs that fits them for what they're using it for. And that's the one thing I'm very interested in. And I think some of these listeners are going to be interested in as well of all you guys using your kind of creative mindset of like trying to make something that fits you the best versus trying to go buy something for 30, 40, $50,000, you know, actual trailer um, from, mm-hmm. you know, a dealership. And then having something that like you really don't want to cut into because it's $25,000 or $30,000 or $40,000 or more, because I, I've done that. I mean, I've got, I've got a 33 foot, uh, uh, travel trailer that I've got. And it's one of those things I wouldn't want to cut into it. I'm like, dude, you know, it's, it's, it's already finished and all that kind of stuff. First, when you're starting out with what all you guys are doing and you're kind of starting from the base of whatever that platform is going to be, whether it's a van, whether it's an enclosed trailer, where it's a complete basic frame, kind of like what Keith's got, or again, like just a, a lawn trailer like what Williams used, you're able to modify it as you need to and kind of think ahead of how this is going to change versus trying to go spend a bunch of money for something that's quote-unquote already done, but it's still not perfect for you because it never is. There's always something you're going to want to change and, and adjust with. And, I, again, I feel a lot more comfortable doing it on like a, a DIY build versus you know buying something off a lot for a lot more money and then still trying to modify it as I go. I, I was a lot like William, like when I got ready to cut into the top of my van, like I, I was scared to death. Like I can weld, but like the metal up there is super thin. And I mean, there's no going back once thin. you put, yeah. Once you put a hole in it, that's mm-hmm. uh, 10 inches by 12 inches or 12 inches by 12, whatever it was like, there is no going back, but I'll never forget. Like my dad was helping me. And he said, there's nothing that we're going to do on here that can't be fixed. He said, it might cost more money in the end, but like, just get past the fear of it. There's nothing that can't be fixed. And so like, that was kind of my whole mindset from there on forward. So that was the first thing I did was cut the hole in the top. And that was my mindset going through that. William. 
So that, that's another thing. This this thing don't have to be finished at one time. Like you can make this thing be a $20,000 camper if you want to, and you can drag it out, get it to where you can hunt out of it. And then when you come back, do a little bit to it. If, if you don't have, but you know, a hundred dollars this week, you can spend on it, you know, put your hundred dollars in it, make it better, hunt out of it the next week, the next month, the next year, keep rocking this thing until you get it to where you want it. You don't have to put all $8,000 into this thing in, in one month. You know, you can drag this thing out as long as you're comfortable with it and you can hunt out of it, get it to where that that's what you need to do. Get it to where you're comfortable, get it to where you can hunt and it works. And then you can start doing stuff if you need to little by little until you, you master it. But I mean, even then you're going to be, you're going to do something to it. You're going to get home, not like it changes. Real quick, William, I've got a question for you on your build, because the one thing about your build that's always fascinated me is how you have your boat set up, where you can still take your boat with you, you can take your outboard with you, but you're only pulling one trailer. Can you talk about how do you have your boat rated to put it on the roof of the trailer? What's the size of the boat, and what's the size of the outboard that you use with it? So that is a uh, 1036G3 aluminum John boat. Um, and I put rollers on the back of the camper. Now I'm, I'm a, I'm a big dude. I'm big, strong dude. And it, I got to get on my expanded metal, uh, 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 trailer and push the boat up on these rollers until it gets flat and then slide it up on the back of the trailer. I'm, I'm, this is the process is coming to where I'm fixing to rig up a winch and some other things that you know, they have these uh, truck loader things that go on the back of these ladder rack type stuff. And I'm fixing to make something like that. That's what I'm saying. Like I just got it to where I could get the boat up there and go. And now, you know, I have time that I can take my boat off. Then I can start designing and, and rearranging everything. So I can put a winch on this thing that I can unload and load this boat without having to push it up there with just a push of a button. Um, now the outboard was a totally different thing. I could not figure out any way to haul this outboard and be safe, be able to lock it down. Cause I mean, you know, we sleep in the rest areas, we sleep in Walmart parking lots. We sleep in, you know, all these places just to even get to where we're going to hunt at. And, you know, a lot of these places that we hunt, you know, you, you, you're not at a campground, you're just at a camping space. And if you leave and all your stuff's still there, like you got to have a way to be able to lock this stuff down because I mean, there, there are some people like you can put a game camera on your, your camper and people will drive by, stop back up, look at it, pull in there, get around, walk around it. And you, I mean, this day and age, you just can't trust people. You got to have everything locked up tight. And, uh, I made a, a, a just a, a locking piece that I can actually bolt the the motor to the side of the two foot expanded metal piece on the back of the camper and i put my locks through it they can't i mean and i use the 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 non-cuttable locks the round locks you can't get bolt cutters to or anything so like i'm not scared at all now they might be able to steal my cowling off my motor but i'll leave that motor right there anytime i want to they would have to have a torture a, a grinder or any, I mean, they would have to cut the whole side of the trailer off to get the, the, the motor out now, but uh, it's, it's coming to where I'm going to, I'm going to push a button and it's going and put the, the boat right up there for me. It's coming. I, I got to do it. Yep. Paul. Yeah. At, at work, at my work, we use outboards a lot with the docks 
And we have stands that we stand the outboard on, and it's just like a little rack that comes up so you could screw the outboard on there, and then it's got wheels on the bottom of it. So we could just take that little stand. You could take that, build a stand like that out of some metal or something, and then you could just wheel it, open up your door and just wheel it right inside your trailer. That might be an idea to, to hide the thing so you can keep it real safe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, also, I'm a little curious here. Uh, I want to get to uh, Keith and then Paul as well. Um, Keith, as a, a point of, you know, really highlighting your bill that you've done, um, can we talk about a little bit on, like, overall budget specifically for the second build that you done, or maybe you can compare the first mm-hmm. build to the second build kind of budget set, kind of what do you have into it? Um, and then also like any kind of other piece of advice you'd give guys that are looking to do like a complete build, like what you've done. Uh, you know, if they have the skill set, they, they have the knowledge, especially w- with framing woodworking and maybe with some fabrication, uh, skills as well. when it comes to welding, you know, what's some advice you'd give them if they're trying to do a complete build, like what you've done. I was blessed with the first one. My brother donated the actual trailer frame to us. If I remember correctly, we're around 2,800 in that first build. The second build, um, I actually caught a typo in a Home Depot, not a Home Depot, a Harbor Freight mail out, and I had a discount. So I ended up getting that. It was a four by eight trailer for like 300 bucks. So. Of course, we weren't satisfied with the bolt-together frames. We bolted together to get it squared up and everything, and then we welded it together and run an extended tongue all the way through to strengthen it. So we looked up there. Right now, I'm at just a hair over $2,200 in the second build. Um, I still need to go pick up my AC unit um, in the awning and awning room that I ordered. So we're probably going to be around 2800 finished product in this one also um the great thing about wood unlike a, a metal it's not hard to fix you cut a hole in it patch it up you know woodworking is pretty simple as far as you know i've got a lot of pictures and on several facebook forums and stuff um of my build but there is considered a square drop camper um, which is a spinoff of the teardrop. Teardrop's been around for a long, long time. There are a ton of Facebook um, pages, uh, a ton of YouTube channels, uh, forums on the internet dedicated to this because it is a very popular uh, thing. Um, so the information is out there. And don't just look at one person's product. I mean, look at a bunch. You know, we looked when we were looking at the PMF poor man fiberglass process you know there was tons of videos on it and everybody's process was a little bit different i just happened to find a guy that had one that was like i don't remember 12 or so years old and was still holding up really really well so i kind of followed his process it was a little bit different um cost effectiveness we looked around you know once we got into this uh there's several name brand uh manufacturers out there and about the cheapest stripped out plain Jane non-finished model you can get is between five thousand six thousand dollars. And this doesn't have finished cabinets in it. It's just basically a shell, and it's got small tires on it. Uh, a well-rigged out one. Honestly, these things get sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars for these small little campers. Um, so I looked at that and I was like, 
not built me things for less than three grand. Um, they mentioned, you know, it's always evolving. Uh, what I figured out is the process is what I enjoy more than anything. I like actually me and my fun have me and my son have fun building these things. So when we come up with new ideas, instead of um, altering what we have, honestly, the markup resellability of these little campers is awesome. So, you know, got three grand in it and turn around, spend it for five quick, fast in a hurry. And then you've got the money to start your next build. And we'll take the process, what we've learned, what we want to change and build a new one. I've got a couple of buddies, uh, fireman buddies of mine that are getting into this overlanding. Uh, and they've reached out to me because they knew I was building this camper. And my wife has piqued an interest of going with me on some of this overlanding events. Well, now I've gone and built a single man camper. So I'm already looking at, you know, maybe building another one, something that both of us can comfortably get in. Because her idea of uh, vacationing is not a tent. So she's more of a cabin hotel lady. Yeah, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to put those comforts in there. So I may be looking at another build just for this overlanding. And if I do that, I probably will go the fabrication route and uh, do the framing out of metal and everything just to make the whole structure more rigid for these mountain terrain that we're going to go to. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, William, what you got? I got a question for him. So I know there's a lot of those uh, square uh, would you call it a square drop trailer? Square drop. Um, yeah. So why did you go with the poor man's fiberglass instead of the composite or the aluminum siding or something like that? Can you tell us why you chose the poor man's fiberglass over all these other probably easier, you know, w- w- what made you choose mm-hmm. that? Uh, budget, biggest thing. Um, again, we started this fir- first build right at the start of COVID. And as you know, materials and everything went astronomical. So where you used to pick up a four by eight sheet of aluminum siding for about 80, 90 bucks, it was over 200 bucks for a sheet of siding. Mm-hmm. I did the entire poor man's fiberglass for about a hundred bucks. Um, I looked into ACM panels, which really piqued my channel, my interest, uh, aluminum composite material. It's basically two thin veneers of aluminum with a insulation property in between kind of a, uh, softer rubber or plastic material it really piqued my interest but just about the time i got interest in it it skyrocketed because uh, that's what they make a lot of these signs and stuff out of that's what my subfloor is yeah it's a real good material I actually i uh, built um a i got a fold down table off the back door to put my coleman two burner on and i use that for the top portion of it. it it's a real nice product and if the prices ever go down on it I would like to use that on a build. The thin veneer, the regular aluminum, I've seen a lot of people, if you don't use a lot of diamond plate or protective, um, get a lot of rock rash on and ding up with the poor man's fiberglass. You're not going to get all those dings. Um, I think the ACM would be a little bit harder to ding up, I, I feel like. So that was really budget availability. Uh, enough research to know that the product did work um, when they had boats made out of it that are still floating on water. I'm like, uh, it got to be a pretty good process. How's your son, Keith? He is 17 now. Um, we started this, um, the first build in the spring of 2000 when they had the COVID shut down. He's a junior in high school. So 
does does that material the the poor man's fiberglass do, do you got to worry about it fading or do you paint it does it mold you know anything like that because my like my aluminum siding like i have to clean it because it does catch mold every once in a while especially under trees oak trees down here in florida um do you got to worry about it molding or or you know getting discolorization or do you have to bleach it or what's that process like well, let's we'll start with the process of the poor man's fiberglass. It's basically you use tight bond to uh, wood glue, which is waterproof. And you put a good coating of that and you, you adhere a, either a fiberglass sheeting. Uh, I've seen people use bed sheets. Personally, I went with the um, <clears throat> drop cloth route. So I, I bought a thick milled drop cloth and you bond it to it. And once it dries up, you go back over it with two more coats of the tight bond too. And basically, you turn it into a fiberglass shell at that point. And by wrapping the sheets completely around the trailer, you're, you've made that cabin basically all-inclusive with the material, so it actually makes it even stronger. To seal it off um, or to give it a prettier exterior, use a good exterior paint. And that, I didn't spare no expense on that. I did buy the $80 gallon paint and went that route, went with the exterior acrylic so it was tougher. Um, the one that we built the first time set in the backyard under a, under a hackberry tree, and then things bleed sap all the time. So we did get some sap staining on it, but it was an easy bleach, pressure wash, it come off. I uh, sold it to a friend of mine. Uh, he's still running it, and no issues, no water leaks. He left it at camp all deer season out in the weather, no leaks whatsoever. This one, because that's going to go right back under that hackberry tree. It's the only spot I got to park it with my bass boat and side to side and everything else out under the shed. So um, that's I'm going to just go to Harbor Freight and buy a tarp big enough to completely cover it so I don't have to worry about it. Um, the insulation property I did on this one, because I said here in the south we got so much humidity that you worry about uh, mold on the inside of them. So when I did just a straight plywood build on the first one, I was really worried about the mold getting in there. The second one, um, I leave a window crack. It's got a bin open on it all the time. I haven't seen any moisture or condensation or anything on the inside of it. Yeah, we, we put one of the dehumidifiers in ours, and it's got, you know, the little batteries that runs off, of, I think, two D batteries or something like that. And it's like in literally a week, it will fill up probably at least a half of gallon. Uh, of, of pure water in that dehumidifier inside the trailer closed up. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane when you get humidity and mold. Interesting. Now, real real quick, uh, yeah, Paul, I, I know you got some questions. I want to ask you some questions too, but Paul, what you got right now? Uh, I just wanted to make a remark on the uh, the aluminum. You said you're getting like mold and staining on it, on the, on the bare aluminum sheeting. You can clean that pretty easily if you just simply take a big ball of aluminum foil and just like a standard cleaner, you could spray that aluminum and you could just scrub it with the uh, big ball of aluminum foil and it actually cleans up the aluminum pretty good without scuffing your finish up or anything. See, the bad part of mine is it's actually photo printed aluminum. So uh-huh. it, 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 it's got a camo pattern on it. And like, like when I, when I say it's staining or you got to get close and you can see like on a tan leaf, you can see the little round piece of, um, I mean like lichen or mold from, okay. like, you know, that grows on a tree. And it's you just, you, 
No, sir. No, sir. It's, it's pure. I mean, uh, I, I guess the mold spore drops from the oak trees and stuff and, and clinks on the side of it. And it just grows into a little round, uh, you know, like, like kind of like a boat. Have you ever seen the, the white boats? If you just leave them and don't wash them, you'll get yeah. that little round mold speck on the same exact thing. Simple green. That simple green cleaner will clean that up pretty good. We we yeah, get think- that on uh on our docks we because we have the uh the decking that's on the lake and it's like we use the composite PVC decking and stuff and you'll get that lichen and molds growing on it and if you spray it down with simple green it'll scrub it right out lift it right off. Yeah, we use that purple purple power and simple green mix in a sprayer i'll go around and spray the whole thing and then i'll hit it with a pressure washer and it'll come Mm -hmm. right off yep paul to get to your build uh, i want to talk to you about budgets i know you're still currently in the build so there's still other stuff you're acquiring for the build what did you kind of set for a budget or have you left it kind of open budget where you're just kind of buying what you're needing and you'll figure out what the total is when you're done yeah i'm just kind of buying what i'm needing i'm i'm pretty cheap person to begin with so a lot of a lot of the stuff I do is like all scrap material from work and stuff. I'm fortunate enough I have a lot of scrap aluminum, so that's like everything I've built has been made out of aluminum so far. And so far I haven't spent a penny on any of the uh, the aluminum, you know. So I don't have to worry about the prices on that. So I just I bought a really I bought a brand new trailer, so I didn't have to deal with doing anything to it and restoring it or anything. And then my wife wanted to build some credit, so I, I put her on the thing so she could do payments with me so she can build up her credit a little bit more. So that's kind of why we bought went, went that route with the trailer instead of buying a used one or something. You know, So that's pretty much all we're doing. And then the generator I already had because I, I use it to uh, keep my freezers in check in case we lose power at the house or something. So I know the generator already runs a freezer, so that's kind of why I went that route with that. So I just throw it in the throw it in there while I'm on the trip and good to go. Yeah, so you already have a lot of multi-purpose aspects with that trailer, so you're really not coming out mm-hmm. of pocket, you know, a ton other than just buying the, the new trailer itself and kind of going that route, yeah. um, which is super super handy. Um, now, as a point of kind of getting to a point here to wrap up, everybody. I kind of want to leave the floor open for you guys. I don't know if y'all have questions for each other or just other all like overarching opinions on if somebody's interested in getting into this and potentially look at doing a build, you know, some advice that y'all may have, uh, I kind of leave the floor open and, you know, see if y'all have any other questions or anything that y'all want to kind of bring up. My advice would be just to find out what you, you know, what is your goal? You know, if your goal is comfort, you probably don't want a van or a, or a small teardrop trailer, um, you know, figure out what's your goal and then maybe research which direction you need to go. I mean, like, are you going to be going to the same area every year to where you can prop, you know, you're probably going to have a, a campsite within 20 minutes or 30 minutes. So maybe a trailer or a travel trailer or even a camper works for you. You know, uh, just what are your goals? Why do you want to do it? And then use every resource available. That's that's my advice to anybody looking to do this. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Figure out what kind of hunting, where you're going to be camping, what exactly you're going to do, and then build your camper 
to fit that need. You know, if you're going to have, like you said, if you're going to be at a campsite where you can have shore power, definitely have a way to hook up with shore power. If you're going to go to one of these, you know, national forest or national wildlife refuges that don't have campsites, but you can camp, have some way, you know, you can get power through solar, through a generator, you know, through batteries, you know, have some way that you can get power. Um, and, but just build build this thing to fit you. And like like they said, you know, all with the YouTube stuff, you can YouTube yourself to death and find it. I mean, it, like, like they've said, if you think that you want it that way, you can probably look on YouTube and somebody's already done it. And they can do 90% of the legwork for you so you don't have to figure it all out yourself. And, I mean, I'm sure every one of these guys on here and myself – I mean, if anybody wants to ask any questions about anything we've done, I don't, I don't, I mean, we're, we're probably all open books. You know, we would try to probably help anybody um, because not only, you know, is, is this thing fun for us, it's fun to watch other people build these things also. You know, we, we've, we've started all this uh, messenger chat when we, when we're going to start this podcast and like, I've looked at everybody's stuff and I have like a million questions and we can probably talk for, you know, <laughs> all day long about everybody's bill because I have so many questions because I might want to use it on some of my stuff. So I'm fixing to start checking into everybody's stuff and see exactly what they did and what they did wrong and what they did right and see if I can put it and, and, and focus it into my, my build. Yeah. And always think a lot about condensation in these things. Condensation is a real big one with these trailers. You know, that's, that's why I, I went with the wood stove because there's zero condensation in that for heating. I could fire that thing up and I'll actually have to probably put water on the top of the stove to restore some moisture in the trailer because it will just get that dry with that dry heat from a wood stove, you know, and then in the winter or in the summertime, that's why I have the air conditioner unit, you know, that's evaporating and putting it out the vent. And it also has the option to run as a dehumidifier so I can use that for sucking water out of these things. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing I think you're going to get run into is, is condensation. I know like uh, pro, propane produces a lot of uh, extra water when you're running it. So you gotta, you always got to think about that. You got to think about venting, good venting, good air circulation, because if you don't have that, you're going to get condensation build up in a small area like that. Paul, you made me think of something, speaking of ventilation. So I know a lot of these people that are building these things are going to try and out, find out ways to heat and all that. And and you have to be really careful with some of these heating uh, designs. You know, even like the, you know, the portable Mr. Buddy heaters, they say that you can run this thing inside a closed area. But I've had several people test that, and I've watched a lot of it on YouTube. Some of those things set off monitors that, that, that don't necessarily put off carbon dioxide, but takes too much oxygen. So you can mm-hmm. actually go to sleep and not wake up with some of these you know, gas-heated uh, uh, yep. elements and stuff. So, so always be mindful of that. Do your research and 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 figure out you know if you can vent this thing the right way if you can get enough fresh air uh and and definitely dehumidifier because mold and all that stuff inside your camper is is bad yeah the number one the number one way for people to get hurt and or die in like these van builds at least and i'm sure it's the same in diy camper builds 
is carbon monoxide poisoning. And the best thing you can do is go to Lowe's, go somewhere, 20 bucks. You can get a carbon monoxide detector, so it tests the oxygen levels and the carbon monoxide levels, and it'll send off an alarm, and there's no way you can sleep through it in one of these things. So uh, use the $20 to save your life. That was, that was one of my first purchases when I actually got it enclosed and where I could go somewhere and I put a heater in it. That was the, one of the first things I bought. Keith, I think you got a question too. Yeah, well, I was just going to spit off what they said. You know, research is everything. Research, research, research before you start it. Get you an initial concept of what direction you want to go with it and make your initial build because as all of us have said, it's always evolving what we do. We're always adding, changing, manipulating somewhere or another. So make sure that you build a base idea that you can expand to. Um, you can always add to it. You can always take away from it. So just keep that in mind when you do it. And uh, the carbon monoxide, that's a big thing. Also, fire extinguisher, need one handy. Uh, particularly like in my concept, you know, you got one way in, one way out. So I have a fire extinguisher in the cabin with me. And I also have a fire extinguisher in the galley. Um, try to keep it safe and research everything before you do it. Because not everybody's an electrician or a plumber or a framer or a fabricator. So before you get a wild hair to do something, research it. Make sure it's safe. Yeah, that's my, my trailer's came with two vents and i think i have seven vents now seven different vents on the trailer you know i could always if i wanted to i could always cover one up or something if i need to to keep it if it's getting too much cold air in or something but like i try to keep as much ventilation as possible perfect awesome guys well this has been an interesting episode again we ran super long but i uh, appreciate everybody kind of sharing what they've learned on this episode and hopefully it's inspired others to potentially you know look at this option and, and maybe get away from just trying to go spend you know tens of thousands of dollars on a brand new camper setup which is great again been there done that but when you want to get something that's completely customizable to you and be able to fit your budget as william's kind of mentioning over here as well and not to spend a, a ton of cash on something that is a depreciating a depreciating asset. Um, you know, these these DIY builds are pretty freaking sweet. Again, you know, Zach, you got me interested in a van build. I think that's pretty legit as well, especially with some kind of hitch haul receiver as well to kind of expand some storage roof rack, the whole nine yards. It's, it's pretty cool to have a, a one-system unit. And then you get guys like, you know, Keith, your builds are freaking slick. I mean, every time you posted one of those one of your builds on the Run Gun page, people blow up, man. What are, what's your plans on it, man? Like, share your plans. You got plans. <laughs> And you're like, oh, this made it as I went. And it's kind of funny because yeah. it gets people all excited to see something that literally looks like you probably just bought it off a lot. And but something that you build at your house. Um, and then you got guys again like Paul, you know, building a enclosed trailer setup, which is what a lot of people go to when they're doing these builds. They're going to enclosed trailer and kind of fabricate it out. But again, Paul, you're using all aluminum uh kind mm -hmm. of framing inside for everything, which is different. Most people are doing wood framing on the inside, so you're able to save some weight and kind of use your skill sets and, and again, you know, William Rears is just the freaking madhouse, dude. Just everything you've done to that thing. It's it, when people see it, it's huge. It's like definitely you know one thing i'll say especially like with william and even the keith and everybody's different setups here everybody's skill sets show in their builds okay of like what you're comfortable doing what you're comfortable uh you know really building um and definitely this is where like you said youtube comes in advantage and also if you aren't comfortable framing or fabricating it's not bad if you have a couple buddies that maybe you know that kind of 
or and maybe you can kind of work out some kind of thing like hey dude you know would you mind helping me out or at least teaching me some stuff in order to kind of work my way through this project and not do it alone um and then find out you know three months later when you're towing to the road the whole thing falls apart on the interstate um so uh, definitely there's a lot here that i think guys can take away with it and really kind of utilize for their advantage and again not have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a, on a brand new setup that still may not even fit their needs but william what you got so like like you said if you go out and buy one of these campers that thing is depreciating the whole time if you build one of these things like like i said i, I don't have 10 grand in mind i've been offered twenty thousand dollars for this thing I mean, they, they will they will never go down. You can always sell it for more than you got in it because you put your time in it, and and, and they never decrease. Decrease. I mean, they they're always always steady. You know, gaining gaining speed. Absolutely. You can look online and find vans that are eighty something models with two hundred something thousand miles, and they look terrible. And they're selling them for twelve, thirteen thousand dollars all day long. I got fifty six hundred in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, Keith, I'll, I'll be honest, because I'd never asked you about uh, your setups and how much money you had in for, I mean, less than three grand. I was kind of blown away because those those teardrop campers do. They listen, I've been I go. I told Andrew and his, his wife, Tiffany, I'm like, we need to go camper shop and just go to look. We're a window shop. We're not going to buy something. Just to go show them like what's out there. Mm-hmm. And anytime you take somebody, go look at one of those teardrop campers. It blows them away. Like a cheap one, like you said, stripped out, at least around here is like eight grand. Most of them are like, you know, fifteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars for one of those teardrop campers, which is crazy because you're talking about this small little fo- uh, footprint and they kind of market them as for overlanding, you know, throw some oversized tires on there. But when you look at it, you still got to, you know, change suspension the whole nine yards. So um, it's amazing, again, what all you guys have done, you know, with y'all's budgets and, and really make something kind of works for you and be able to kind of modify it as you go. So I just got to say, I appreciate all y'all for joining us. I know, um, you know, it's a little hectic kind of getting everybody scheduled together but i think there's a lot in this episode that people can take away from it and, and really maybe apply to their own personal build so i know all you guys are active on social media i think everybody's on the running gun page um and you know of course you can find on facebook and instagram as well searching y'all's names but uh again just appreciate y'all for joining us on this week's episode and again listeners if you have questions write in put you in touch with one of these guys if you have any specific questions for them uh or just go leave us a review on itunes appreciate that and let us know uh, what you liked about this specific podcast and maybe we gotta do a part two to this episode sometime in the future especially after paul gets some experience with his because i like like i said zach i'm curious when paul puts his on the road i'm, ex- I'm excited to kind of see his thoughts on it and what he starts tweaking once he gets out there uh, but again guys absolutely appreciate y'all joining us and uh again hopefully listeners enjoyed it appreciate it thanks guys appreciate it fellas thank y'all thank you Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed 
for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.